You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Well, from what I can tell, guys, we are, we're up and we're active. We're live. Good morning, everybody that's watching. Welcome back to the Real Estate Radio Hour, live on Facebook, 7 o'clock every Thursday morning. Appreciate those of you that get up with us and uh, join us. I know you got a group of early risers here. Well, at least most of us, except for one of us. <laughs> we got our special guest up here, Travis uh, Whitford, that uh, is up early with us this morning here. Travis usually gets up at 7.05. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, a little bit early for me today. Now, it actually... Four to five o'clock has been my usual wake up time here over the last month okay. or so. Yeah. And why is that? A lot of things have changed in our industry since we've uh, last seen each other, huh? A little, yeah. little stressful sometimes. And, uh, you know, you just sometimes wake up. <laughs> well, not only that, but you have a uh, you have a couple little ones at home now, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I got uh, the oldest is uh, going to be turning three on June 1st and the youngest is uh, eight months in about a week or so. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I want to get I want to get Travis's uh, take on Mr. Prasky, Mr. Producer, um, video editor, sound man. What do, you, what do you think of that, Travis? You were in the studio with us more than anyone. Yeah. I mean, I. <laughs> For my limited experience using Zoom, I think he's doing a fine job. You know, I'm, I'm actually somewhat impressed with his uh, tech skills right now. So he's, well, he's doing okay. He gets a he gets a a solid B minus. Well, wow, that's great. That's better than I would have gave myself for sure. Hey, this is the earliest we've gotten on, close to seven. So this is good. Yeah, and that's that's 100 because of me just trying to click the right buttons at the right time and. He, he was even more impressive before you showed up, Travis. He actually had a background where his window is. He had a background in there, too. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty fancy. Andy Prasky, super realtor yeah. sign or something? See? <laughs> you know, living on the ocean, Chris, it's quite a lifestyle. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> leave that on. I like that. All right, cool. It's in. It's a nice little sunrise. Hopefully a little surfer comes along there and... Uh, so, Chris, let's do this. Let's jump into, though, a little bit about what's going on in real estate, man. Because, I mean, it's obviously we I don't need to reiterate what we've already all heard on the news a million times. And we have some people locked down in bunkers, worried about the world ending. And we've got other people thinking this is a delay and we, we've got an economy that's ready to continue thriving. And and what, what are you seeing out there? Todd, let's let's just open up the conversation right away with that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I've uh I've kind of been on the download here the last 36 hours. I got kind of hit hard with the head cold and taking some drugs and felt loopy. So I was kind of out of it the last couple of days. But uh, I think, uh, I don't know, it, it almost feels like people are settling in a little more into this uh, sit period and uh, things slowed down. I mean, at least from what I saw on our end, uh, right. we can kind of slow down. But I'm hoping people get motivated and um, start uh, – going again here. And I, I think once you get more upbeat news, you know, yeah. and I think there's, there's something happening, obviously uh, there's better news than it was. So. Yeah. What about uh, how your, your, your people around you are doing business? I mean, I, I've been uh, in a very fortunate position of where 
Um, I still have, a, a, you know, kind of customers that have started the process, probably, I'd say the average customer starts six months back. Um, in my observations, you know, they're better, they're a little more of a, a planner and they, they plan to get their house up for sale. Um, so this is part of, this is a distraction for sure. But I mean, they started thinking about selling in the fall. I mean, a lot of my sellers did. And, and I've met with them in the fall, did the markets, we've updated their markets. Um, what are you seeing for house values, Chris? I mean, are you still seeing house values holding tight? I mean, I think everybody's fear is that this, you know, stock market dump and economy is going to take housing with it. And we're hearing the opposite, but what, what are you, uh, what are you seeing? Well, I think as long as, uh, inventory stays low, I think we're gonna, we're gonna stay good on pricing. Um, I think, I think the next thing we have to talk about is really, I mean, the reason Travis is waking up at four or five in the morning is because there's a lot happening in that mortgage industry um, with, uh, I mean, it was kind of a combination and Travis, tell me if I'm wrong, but it was a combination of low rates and refinances and uh, a lot of money going out. And then um, maybe people starting to kind of uh, rein it in a little. What are you finding on that? Yeah, that 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 was the start of it, and you know I don't know the the exact numbers, but here's some generalities. Like in, in 2019, they're roughly you know three trillion in, in loan volume that closed in all of 2019, and when 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 rates were you know really low, um, you know mid beginning February until March 6th. There was like approximately two trillion in loan volume that was locked nationwide, you know. So you have sixty percent of uh, what's happening here. Sixty percent. A graphic. You need to stay focused on your own lane, sir. Sixty <laughs> percent of like last year's loan volume um, locked in like a three-week period of time, and uh, the market kind of had no crap moment you know um it's like we got too many loans where are these gonna go you know not not a lot of demand so you know there was a, a push on the race as a result of that and then you know, like a week or two later you know COVID is you know 100 miles an hour and and uh the the unemployment and the servicers and investors with the fear of you know 20 30 percent of people with mortgages hitting the unemployment line and um, you know, not might not being able to make mortgage payments, and you know, trickle down effect with that, and you know, now the you know the government has you know this forbearance program, and you know who's ultimately going to be paying for those missed payments? Because like historically, uh, if you don't make your payment, the servicer has to cover that and deliver it to the um, end investor, and you know, they're sitting on all these mortgages and, you know, you got potentially 20, 30% of people not being able to make their payment. These mortgage servicers got to cover that and float it. And there's a lot of uncertainty on how that's really going to you know, pan out. And, you know, as a result of it, like the, the mortgage rates have been as volatile as I have ever seen in my 22 years of doing loans um, over the last, uh, you know, over the last month or so. And, and a lot of the indicators, you know, like this, uh, 10 year treasury, you know, a, a good benchmark, you know, you're looking at the 10 year treasury add 2%, two and a quarter, something like that. And, you know, that's kind of where a 30 year fixed rate typically is, but, you know, over the last, uh, you know, 30 days and you just, 
you know, throw everything I, I learned out the window for right. you know, the last 20 years. It's, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. You know, so Travis, I wanted to kind of cover this cause I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the elephant in the room. Um, we're going on week two, everybody in the news talks like this has been six months and we, we haven't even officially been through our first, uh, voluntary, you know, in-home sit, you know, that ends Friday. That that's the end of a two week period. And there was about a week before that, that we had restaurants closed. And so I, all the charts and all the uh, information I've always looked at has shown that people have four to six months of payment reserves. So why is everybody panicking at week two? I mean, honestly, or week three, they haven't even missed a payment yet. And everybody's talking about bailout programs and, and all this stuff that sounds like we're already in doomsday or, or let me put it this way. The conversations being had are conversations I would have assumed would have happened six months to a year from now, not right now. Well, I think a lot of it has to do is, you know, so much of uh, um, the population is employed by small business and just so much uncertainty. Um, you know, the longer this lasts, the the harder it is for small businesses to keep up. And, and if they're not, you know, bringing in their, you know, revenue to pay their people, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it, you know, it's just trickle. It doesn't happen instantly. You know, it, it takes time to get to that point. And, you know, companies struggle, figure it out to get to where they need to be, get their people employed and paid. And, you know, it's just, it just, you know, things happen, you know, it, you can't control it with, uh, with everything that's going on. Yeah. So, so Travis, you know, we sit there and as real estate professionals, a lot of times we, we'll see people enter the market based on, on, uh, you know, opportunity, right? So even back, you know, you look here, I'm going to show you guys a slide here. A few years back, affordability uh, was through the roof. And as you, you look at this chart, the higher the number, the, the more affordable housing was. So it peaked in about 2012 with the amount of money that people were making um, to what the houses were for sale for. So the percentage of your, your, your income per se. Okay. So, now you look at um, where we're at right now today, 2020, we're at about a 164 um, is what they're anticipating. And this is from the National Association of Realtors. And that puts into account, you know, the average person's income across the U.S. This is across the U.S. So there's pockets where this is not true. You know, some of the more expensive, like the New York cities and the San Francisco's, this is probably not the case. But here in the Midwest, I think we have some very affordable homes compared to the incomes we're making. And, you know, all crisis set aside, we have everything on paper to have a fantastic real estate world or year and, and mortgages are low, they're affordable. Houses are still in, in, in a great price point. Um, what, what do you think about that? I mean, do you agree with me? Are you seeing that happen? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, most of the people that I'm like pre-approving and stuff like that, you know, the, the, the income ratios that are analyzed are, are good, you know, but if somebody is, uh, you know, wakes up the next day and, and they get a job cut or, you know, temporary furlough or whatever, you know, now all of a sudden they don't have that income that they just had the day before. So it, it, it's, it's all tell, but you know, excluding that piece of the pie, um, you're 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 right on. I think I think uh, home prices and where people's income are, it's 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 a good affordability, especially with with rates. 
you know, being under four and, and having, having that piece to make it that much easier to afford a house uh, versus like a 5% interest rate, you know, it's a lot, a lot harder to um, afford the house for, with that type of rate with these prices. So it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's really interesting that's going on right now though. For sure. What do you think, Chris? I mean, you obviously do more of the luxury and the the you know waterfront and the the dream homes. Um, what are what are you seeing in your price brackets? And that's funny because that's not all I do. Just so you know, I know. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what. Lakefront is uh, still as crazy as it's always been. I mean, upper level construction has been uh, going well, but I do. I I, I see what uh, Travis is saying. I mean, but I. That's why I wanted to add a few things on here is that what we're hearing that there's there's like no jumbo loans available. What is that? Right. What you say, Travis? Yeah, we I, I know we've temporarily shut down uh, locking any jumbo loans for a period. There's just lack of liquidity on it um, right now. This is going to be a, a, a short lived thing. I mean, I don't know exactly, you know, how long this will 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 last. Um, you know, a couple weeks, couple months at most, but that doesn't mean that there's not jumbo loans out there. Um, you know, certain banks that that you know kind of hold on to their loans, uh, you still can get a jumbo loan right now, but your options are a lot more limited than what they were 30 days ago. Um, but it it is it, it's it's temporary. It, it's not. I mean. They just don't have a. You're not going to not have a jumbo loan at some point in time. What's yeah, that? people are just trying to see how the market's going to fall out, and they they're watching the the stock market. You know, or last week it's come back pretty well the last couple of days, but um, you know they're just being cautious. They're investors. They're and they're not the government backed um, you know institutions. So these are a lot of times you know big mutual funds or big institutions that are buying these jumbo backed mortgages. That's why. I don't know, Chris, you remember back on uh, the show a couple of years ago we did, we were talking about how mortgage rates on jumbos were less than they were today. I mean, you know, we're less than a, a conforming normal loan. The interest rates were better because the market had a thirst for it. I do remember. Oh, yeah. That. yeah it's, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's it's been that way for for quite some time where, you know, Typically, you know, perfect world scenario, it's not uncommon to have a, a jumbo rate better than a traditional conventional loan where prior to a few years ago, it was always higher, you know, it was always a half of a percent higher or thereabouts. But, but uh, yeah, things have changed. Just, this jumbo market, it, it, it will be back to where, where we've seen it. It's going to take a little time. Um, and that's not saying, too, like I said, there's still jumbo loans out there. It's just your your lending options are very limited. Where you can go to get that loan right now. You know, um, what do you what Chris? So with your jumbo market too. I mean, I've even noticed a lot of our our local bankers um, that are funding like new housing developments. Um, they're they're kind of retreating back a little bit and asking people to put the pot the developers and builders to put the pause on. I've seen some of our national builders also put pause on. Um, with new developments and acquisitions. So a lot of these farmers and families that had their land under contract, now they're not performing on the the uh, the deals currently. And they're saying that they will start performing after like July 1st. I think that was one of Lennar's public statements they made on the stock market. Um, 
what what are you seeing out there, Chris, for that stuff too? I don't think you can blame them for that. Um, I I would do the same thing if I was in that position, just to make sure that you know that we're that we're coming out of it. All indications are we're moving towards that, and uh, you know I'm kind of a, a better. But I think if you're you're betting with millions and millions of dollars, um, you got to see what's going to happen to that that market. You know, before right. you, you know, you jump into it like that because I mean, as you know, India development, you make that decision. You're, I mean, I guess this could be contrary to that, but you're making that decision for three years out as well. You know, to be able to finish it and thinking that it's gonna, uh, you know, work in that time and what you're paying for it now is right. gonna obviously uh, appreciate a little, or you're just not gonna lose. You got to keep your people uh, working, but. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm always an optimist, but I think uh, a lot of the data now that we're getting, whether or not, who knows the data, uh, but uh, at least the media is talking about it being positive. And uh, that's, to me, the elephant in the room is that, I mean, everything is, I mean, dissected. I mean, it's just, uh, it's crazy, you know, and you get so many different points of view and I think people have a hard time disseminating that. And then they've got to see some, you got to see some positivity before, uh, right. start, you know, jumping in and I'm talking the bigger, bigger stuff. So it only makes sense. Travis, I got a question for you. Um, with people losing jobs in the middle of the loan process or being furloughed, have, has the mortgage companies um, or the investors or the government come back and kind of uh, have any solution for that? from a, hey, it's furloughed, you know, we're gonna, most likely you'll get your job back in two months, it shouldn't be a problem. Or how do you get around that? Yeah, it's 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 tricky right now. I mean, you know, there's still ability to repay. You know, there's ability to repay analysis on every mortgage. So if somebody doesn't have a job, they don't have the ability to repay. However, um, if there's a temporary furlough, like we've had, we there's a policy where if we have a borrower that, you know, let's say they have, you know, been at the job for, you know, forever. And it, it, it's in an industry that, you know, it makes sense that it, it's truly going to be temporary and stuff that there's, there's ways around it. But there's, I, I've heard of, and not, you know, me personally, I haven't had anything come up personally. We've had some issues uh, with loans in our region. And I've heard, I've heard about issues with other cohorts in the, in the industry where, you know, basically you're a couple of days before closing and they get the bad news, they lost their job, you know, loans turned down. I mean, what, what, what do you do? Um, there, there is some options where you could potentially get through it, but it, it, it's, you got to look at the, the big picture. You look at the loan, look at, you know, look at the type of job they have, look at the longevity, look at the industry they're in, what kind of reserves do they have to be able to make payments, uh, over this period of time, you know, when the employer gives us, uh, you know, the employer giving us uh, a, an idea of when they expect them to be back. And if it, if it makes sense, you can get through some things, but it's definitely a challenge. Andy, I can see that uh, this is where some contract for deeds will come back. Yeah. Options to buy and own. And, um, you know, so people are, are getting to the end and it's a week before closing everyone's closing set to go. They're putting 20% down and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Um, they deemed your job non-essential. So you're not going to be able to work for the next two months, but you've got some real good buyers. 
I mean, it might be that the seller says, hey, you know what? We'll take that 20% down as down payment. We'll sell it on a contract for deed. And then you got to refinance it within, you know, six months or something like that. Yep. You know, I, th- I think that uh, you'll, I think you'll see that. I think that Travis, um, you know, I know Travis is you're well connected with when we've had other, we, you know, the crazy part about us guys is uh, not the data, but you can see it in the pictures. We're not uh, brand new to the business. We're we've uh, we've got road scars on us, but the, we've been through these economies before, right? I, I've been through the dot com burst. I've been through nine eleven. I've been through the housing burst, and I mean, we've been through all this before. So. You know, what ends up happening is, is that on the other side of this, sometimes creative financing comes into play. Um, you get, you know, uh, like Travis and I have done deals where he partners with other local banks that, you know, they have to get creative where, you know, for that family or that person, when you're trying to help them get into shelter to, for, to provide for their families. And like you're saying, Chris, that's, that's absolutely um, so true that if the seller can't do it, maybe there's an alternative lender. And they, you know, the industry, the hard money lending industry has gotten a hard time um, or a bad reputation over the years for being expensive and gouging people. But I'm telling you, some of those private equity funds that are out there in private services are very affordable and they're very, in my opinion, very reasonable for what they're providing. I don't know. I mean, Travis, you know, I when you, let's say that you have a hard money lender um, help somebody buy a house or they do a contract for deed. Um, what is the process for getting somebody to a more traditional, um, you know, institution style, uh, you know, lending tool. So you mean like after they obtain the hard yeah, money loan or road, they want to get refinance that. with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if they get, if they get like a hard money loan and, and, and there's no seasoning on a rate and term refinance. So if you get a, you get a hard when I say no seasoning, you don't have to be in the in the in the home for X amount of months or X amount of days in order to execute a rate and term refinance in the conventional market. So you can get a hard money loan just to get through and you know, say six months or so once you know you're back on your feet, get your job again, just refinance into traditional uh, conventional loan. Downside is you know, you're gonna pay a couple sets of closing costs. Um, you'll have the closing costs with the hard money loan. You'll have the, you know, the closing costs with the refinance. But you know, hey, at least you're in in your house and you got in, and uh, you can you know move on with your life. Right. But 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 obtaining those hard money loans, I mean, they're they're in theory they're they're typically pretty easy. And there's been a few of those that have uh, gone away here um, temporarily yeah. here in this crunch. So the the options for that you know, are a lot less similar to like the jumbo market. You know, there's still places out there that, that are offering funds. Um, but the, 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 the options are are definitely more limited than they were a month ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about it there, that's people with money that, uh, don't, you know, have their money rolling in the stock market or they're diversified and they're, they're just using their money to make an interest rate. And so, um, I know that I've seen a lot of our builders back when the, the, banking markets locally tightened up that was a great alternative for a lot of builders to get back in the building game yeah and then now i'm seeing even homeowners or business owners where they don't fit that conforming box because i think that one of the things that a lot of people are really you know not remembering is that when interest rates are this low it traditionally is very hard to get a mortgage because the 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 yield is so low that investors are like ah eh, if i'm going to do it this cheap i want to i want to have this kind of a, a client and so then they they make the box tighter. Um, as interest rates go up, 
the market loosens up, they make more exemptions and, you know, the overlays get a little looser for lending money traditionally. Right. I mean, my close. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's been a, a, a theory or what's happened in the past, but I mean, here over the last couple of years, as, as rates have been real low, it's not harder to get the loan. It, it's actually, I wouldn't necessarily say it's easier, but there's less red tape than there was, you know, coming off the, you know, 08 crash when everything was real tight. And even when rates were pretty good, it was, it was still difficult. I mean, it, it's right now, just the, the big issue is, is just the potential for that unemployment. I mean, otherwise, otherwise everything else with the whole lending process, the underwriting and stuff like that, it, it, it's, makes it, uh, you know, it's not, it's not any harder with the lower rates here over the last couple of years. It's actually easier in my opinion. Um, there's been also a lot of pretty good, uh, you know, relief in the financing process here with, regarding appraisals. Yeah. And, uh, and most of the times, um, you know, on a, when you're buying a house or refinancing, refinancing, there's a lot of relief right now. But when you're, when you're buying a house, you have to have an appraiser, appraisal. And typically, appraisal is interior, exterior inspection. And if we have a borrower or a seller that's like, nope, I don't want anybody in this house. You know, we're doing some sort of a conventional loan or, or you can do what's called a desktop appraisal, which the which the appraiser just does an appraisal based upon the, the data online. And then if that's not an option, you can do a, a drive-by appraisal. So they just you know, go to the house, never go in, take their measurements from the outside, take the pictures and, and do an appraisal that way. So there's been some, um, you know, re temporary relief regarding that because there's a lot of sellers or a lot of buyers or borrowers that refinance and just like, nope, we don't want anybody in our house. And, you know, what do you do? So you need an appraisal. So they've allowed for uh, other options to get the appraisal. Right. We just had two of those. The desktops or the drive-bys? Um, I don't know, but they don't know. Go. But yeah, just where they haven't gone into the house to do the right. appraisal. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's also too, and a lot of refinances these days. You know, if you put more than five percent down when you bought the house within you know within the last two years or before, it's pretty. As long as you got a clean file, I mean, you. are pretty much going to get an appraisal waiver on a refinance as long as you're not taking cash out. And even some instances where you are taking cash out, you can get an appraisal waiver. Um, but uh, sometimes you even get that on on purchase transactions too, where the, the automated underwriting system just accepts the value and you know there's no need for an appraisal at all. And I Something tells me that I, I think Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's automated underwriting systems, they're potentially going to get a little bit more aggressive, um, a little bit more aggressive with that on purchases here, too. You know, uh, some interesting I'm going to you guys can see the screen here we have. Um, I wanted to show you guys this screen here and talk about it a little bit. So this is where they're projecting, like where the new purchases are going to be in the next 12 months, all things considered. And if you look at the younger millennials at 54% is they're expecting that to be the, the prevailing, you know, demographic buying number two, older millennials, Gen X, and then baby boomers. So the baby boomers have really slowed down their role. It used to be kind of the older millennials numbers were the baby boomers. 
And, you know, with the stock market being a little crazy, I think you're seeing a lot of people getting very conservative with, which concerns me, Chris, because, you know, if you, you tighten up the baby boomer market, they own a lot of real estate. And if they're not part of the purchasing, they're probably not part of the selling, which will keep our markets tight. And, you know, the millennials are and Gen Xers are out there working. Um, even some of the baby boomers are working. So as this next couple of months, you know, kind of prevails, this is where they're projecting. Freddie Mac projects. This is where the buyers are coming from. Um, what do you guys throw some comments out there about this chart? Go ahead, Chris. It's pretty. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I was wondering where, where you, my You know he can't is. read, right, Travis? He's, yeah. he's <laughs> I see different. Where, where's my bucket? I think I'm somewhere in between Gen X well, and let, baby. Let me get my glasses on. I, uh... No, I think I'm Gen X. You are I heard Gen X. I yeah. say that the other day. No, where's Gen X? So I think I am. Okay. But yeah, anyways, um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, it's the first time I've seen this chart, so I'm kind of processing it a little here. Uh, I like to keep it fresh, Rooney. I know. I like that. That's good. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, the baby boomers, I, I'm trying to think deeper into why, you know, why, why this is. And I'm also looking at uh, where the price points would be for some of these people as well. That's you right. Know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, when I, when I look at this chart, I start thinking about really what we've gone through now. And I think what's going through people's heads and the lot, I've talked to a lot of people, um, you know, during this time. And uh, I think it's really interesting that uh, some of the opinions out there are how they're going to, or, or kind of how their priorities have maybe changed a little. Yep. And uh, I think it's gone to more, you know, that the house is really important, you know, and where they're living and what they're doing. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I found some real good things that have come out of this as well. Um, and doing things around the home and working around the home. And, you know, yeah. I think you, you get so busy and it's crazy and you never, um, you never stop and then you never enjoy it, you know? And I think now it's like so much more um, enjoyable. I wish I wasn't stuck, but maybe because I've been stuck, it makes it uh better I've, all right that see i'm I'm gonna dovetail off what you said there chris because i i feel that that's the truth i think that the you look at younger millennials which so what is that the 27 28 uh probably 35 year olds um millennials have seen the world fail before they've seen the 2008 they watch grandparents or parents fail um lose their houses have to file bankruptcy um they're the generation that's watched all the infomercials um, they're very savvy on buying things, and they're actually a, a very fiscally conservative as a whole group um, when it comes to to investments because of what they've learned when they were younger. So now you look at they're entering deferred, um, you know, uh, lifestyle because they they've been through school, they have some debt, maybe they're getting out of debt, maybe they're finally getting that great new job, um, and they're they're going to be the ones that are like, you know what, I'm going to buy something, but I would see. You know, millennials, I see um, the the older millennials buying higher priced houses and new construction. The younger millennials, I've seen, at least personal observation, North North and Northwest Metro, um, they're buying existing houses and getting into the housing game because the rates are so low. It's, you know, in some cases, half of what rent is in some of those pockets. And so they're taking advantage of the tax breaks and the, 
you know, they're just getting married now into their, you know, early thirties. And, uh, you know, so then I think the baby boomers are like, Hey man, I can't screw up again. I can't, I can't lose all this equity again. I can't, you know, um, afford, you know, as I'm heading into my, you know, 60s, 70s, whatever, um, to, to where I'm supposed to be relaxing and enjoying life. I can't afford to take a big hit on the portfolio again. So, you know, I think it's reflective of, of everyone's emotions too. You know, what do you guys think? Well, do you think with the baby boomers, do you think it's just as simple as I don't want to move? You know, I don't want to go through the move process. I don't want to sell. We're happy with their house. We got too much stuff. They stress out thinking about that whole moving process and they're happy there. So they just stay. Yeah. I mean, is it is could it be as simple as, as that for why why that number is kind of so low? Well, and I think so too. And I think that the, you know, the other thing is, is that there's a lot of um, the um, uh, when you get to that point of the game where there's, you know um, there's just, I think you look at the replacement values. Okay. So I don't know if you've shopped recently, you look for anything that's one level or slab on grade or quote retirement, you know, uh, geared it starts with a four in front of it. I mean, yeah. and it's, 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 there's nothing affordable in, in baby boomer, you know, design products. And a lot of it has to do with they're trying to dovetail the product into being attractive for the buyer. Well, what they want and what they can afford, it's obviously different or what they want to afford. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are well beneath their means. They don't want to blow 400,000 of their portfolio on buying a retirement house that they're going to live in for 10 years. And so then they just say, you know what, let's just ride this out, stay in our existing home. Um, you know, so they're living in that McMansion or that executive level, you know, three, 4,000 square foot house with two people in it. It's crazy. Hey, do you guys think, uh, as you're talking about stuff, uh, do you think there's been a change because of what's happened? Um, the thought process in having a home versus a condo from being, I mean, yeah, I, you know, like, you know, my kid's in Italy and he's been quarantined for quite a while now, but, um, you know, you talk about that and they're all in, I mean, they're in multi-generational homes mainly. He's in an apartment, but they have like, there's no yard. So his, his entertainment is to walk to the grocery store every day and then walk back, you know, but like when you're in this, what we're in right now, having a yard and having it, um, you know, some space to be able to do, I don't know, you don't feel so, you know, closed in. And I just wonder if people in condos or townhomes are looking at that and saying, Oh my gosh, if this, you know, you get that in your head and yeah. start thinking that, okay, now it moved from a lifestyle thing that I don't have to worry about it because I was so busy, but gosh, what if I am like, what if I enjoy it more? What if, you know, you get, maybe it changes. I mean, what does it say? 21 days to change a habit. You start getting into, you know, Hey, it's, it's cool to be able to uh, take care of a yard or I, I feel so like I'm just stuck here. There's nothing I can do. I just think that might be a, there might be a little. I actually have a client that I'm, I'm working with right now that a couple of, or I think it was about two years ago or so they, they, they sold their house in Mendota Heights. They sold their cabin, um, bought a, uh, bought, bought one of those detached townhomes where they take care of the yard and everything like that, but they don't really have a big yard. And after two years, they're like, we can't handle this. We want the yard. We want to be able to go. So they're selling their house and they're buying a new house with a nice backyard and stuff. So they, they, 
they tried that trying to simplify and you know be less maintenance and you know it took them a couple of years it's like yeah we don't really like this we yeah like you know mo- i think i always say mowing the grass is very therapeutic and a lot of people enjoy it you know or getting out and gardening um you know and and i think that that there's something you said for that we having purpose in life and and even if it's something as silly as mowing the grass still gets you up gets you going gives you a reason to you know uh, you know, you got to go fix the lawnmower. You got to do this. It gives you activities. You're doing things. And I think, uh, you know, the, the busy mind is a lot of times happier because you feel like you're, you're accomplishing things every day. But I agree, Travis, I've seen a buddy of mine has a mother that's uh, 82 years old and she lives out on a five acre farm all by herself and independent, tough, tough gal, you know, still gardens, still does all the stuff on the, on the hobby farm herself. Um, but she, her favorite thing to do is mow each week. And, you know, she gets out there and she mows and she's got to get home to mow and she's got to get home to weed the garden. And she's got it. That's her job, man. You know, I think it's cool. I tell you, I tell you with uh, two small children, having that hour, hour and a half of relief on a Saturday to go mow the lawn is, is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure. I get get on the lawnmower, not push it, get on it. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, I actually, you know, since I, I work out so extraneously, uh, the, the actually pushing the lawnmower is a good thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, um, you know, as we're as we're sitting here kind of going ahead, the the mortgage market, you know, real quickly, I, I don't want to, you know, obviously keep talking this to death. But, you know, rates um, during this crazy uh, time, Travis, talk to us about what's happened a little bit. And is this a good time to call you to refinance or should we hold off or where are we at? Yeah, it's it's we're settling back down. Rates are getting a little bit better. I mean, if we were having this conversation two weeks ago, I would definitely say wait a couple, you know, wait a week or a couple weeks or a month. Um, I think right now it's a good time to start teeing it up. Um, whether it's a position to lock in today, it, it depends on what you currently have, um, or or to maybe wait another couple weeks to see what happens. I mean, I I, I think that. You know, because like I was talking about that 10 year treasury and also where the bond market is like rates should be lower than what they are. Um, but we, we got to get through some of this stuff. So if it doesn't perfectly make sense right now, that doesn't mean it's not going to make sense in a week or two. And with the volatility that we've been seeing here right now, um, clients got to be ready to, to, to like lock in demand. Um, but I do feel that being said, I do feel like the, the, the long term here over the next few months, six months, you know, we're going to see really low rates. Um, and just hopefully this this volatility, you know, goes away here, goes away here soon. But I, it's, it's, a, it's a great time to to consider refinance right now, especially if, you know, you're over, you know, four percent. Yeah, it's a it's a great time to consider it. We're doing a lot of clients right now that um that are doing 20 year mortgages and might even save a few bucks on what they're currently paying and, you know, shave off, you know, seven, eight years of, of, of mortgage payments and, and basically have no change. So no change in their payment. So talk about a great, you know, equity and wealth builder right there by, right. by having that, 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 that shorter term loan and, and really get some big principal reduction on your payment. We've uh, and I, and I, uh, I'll give you a personal uh, plug. Travis, we had talked a little bit about uh, this was a few years back when rates had dipped down and and I actually went to Travis and asked him, you know, hey, should we refinance my house? I've got a 4.75% rate. 
which back in the early 2000s was like historic low. And I always thought I had the best rate in the world. And you were uh, a great guide for me in the sense that when I asked you those questions, instead of saying, yes, you should refinance, we looked at what it would cost us to refinance and get that rate where we wanted it. And then we determined together that, hey, it might be smarter just to pay the loan off over the next eight years or whatever I had left on my mortgage. And and I, I've always appreciated that about you with your honesty. And that's why you've always been part of Chris and I's show um, is, is that honesty and integrity that, you know, sometimes today is hard to find. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. And it, 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 just because you have a higher rate doesn't mean you have to refinance. You got to look, how deep are you into your loan? Does it make sense with the closing costs? Is it, you know, um, is it better to just maybe overpay a little bit? And, and a lot of times, you know, people in our professions, I mean, you know, our income is up and down and, you know, sometimes you have, you know, a couple months or a period where you're just making a lot and you put a huge chunk down on your on your mortgage payment. It's like if you get if that's kind of part of your history and part of your plan. I mean, why pay the three, four thousand dollars in closing costs where and set yourself backwards or you can just keep charging forward and uh, accomplish the same thing by not even doing anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, so it, it's there's you got to look at everything. You can't just sit here and look at a rate and be like, oh, I'm at here. You know, that's uh, I need to refinance because rates are here. Yeah. You know, it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. <laughs> But for most people, it, it, it right now, people that bought a house uh, within the last few years, I mean, especially about two and a half years ago, they probably bought when the interest rate environment was a little closer to five. You know, you're very, you're only a couple years into loan. I mean, you know, perfect time to consider a refinance right now. Chris, what are you, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I just said awesome. Yeah, there was, um, you know, uh, Travis, I don't know if you've, Pay attention to Rooney uh, recently, but he's got his integrity marketing systems. Um, is that said correctly, Chris? Close. Integrity Close. marketing services, integrity marketing mindset. Yeah. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that, Chris, because I know you deal with a lot of agents that are big producers and a medium producers. And, you know, what I mean by producers is that some people design their business to sell 25 houses a year because they have other things in their life going on. And, you know, and then there's the other, you know, uh, person that wants to be the biggest agent in the world. And so um, you, you help quite a variety. What, what do you see with your agents, Chris, that are well, out there that you're coaching? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I, I started this because um, I took, I always use my pen and I, 29 years of kind of doing this and then finally getting to a point and saying, God darn it, if I would have done this, this, and this, I could have got maybe to a point that I wanted to be and not necessarily it's all about money. But it's also about time. I think as you as you get to be in the Gen X thing, moving maybe to the baby boomer, you start wondering and wanting more time to do you know other things or um, other things within the industry. So it's kind of a, a helping people um, from a marketing and a mindset and how to handle that in in the real estate and and just to you know try to give back really to the real estate community because um, we need we need to be a little we need to be better you know and. Um, I think having, you said it earlier and you said it about Travis, about being on the show because he had integrity and he, he, he does what's right. And I think when you do what's right, good things come and it always typically works out. And I think we just need to do more things right in our industry. And, uh, and that's the reason I kind of did that uh, doing it. And, and I think with me being in the, in the 
fold and knowing exactly what's happening and going on and being able to collaborate with people like uh, you two guys um, is, a, is a good help to other agents as well. And that, oh, thanks for the, uh, th that was great, Chris. That was great. Now, to, to speak of an Andy, you can sign of up integrity. Andy, if you want to sign up, go to integritymarketingservices.org. And you could be part of my thing. Go ahead, Travis. I, here, it's something that I've been hearing a lot. So you don't want to see the opposite side of the fence of this integrity. It's like, I've been hearing stories and, and it, not necessarily in our market, but in other markets where a lot of these realtors um, are telling their clients, oh, you know, get in your house, buy your house. And then after you make your first payment, go into the forbearance program and you don't have to make a payment for, you know, 12, 12 months or whatever. Oh you know, God. it's like that's literally a sales pitch that that some realtors are doing. And uh, probably from some mortgage lender with hair. <laughs> I would never, never you know, do that. So it's like talk about integrity or opposite of lack thereof it's like you can't make it up and it's just yeah. unbelievable and, and what's sad is that's usually what the people hear about is those kind of things rather than the the good things but um i don't know i think being let me, a good let me throw this out at you guys i had a, a real interesting situation this week i had a client <laughs> call me and uh we put these guys into a really nice townhouse in a northwest suburb up here um they had hail damage in 2018 on this whole townhouse project. Everything was replaced. 2019, they got hit with hail again. Um, the association this time received a one-time lump sum payment of like $1.2 million to repair all the damage. Now their association is saying, hey, let's not do the work. There's a couple of guys on the association board saying, hey, let's not do the work. Let's uh, keep the money and keep it in our reserves and not do the work. And I just, I, you know, some of the thoughts behind that, I understand the hassles and whatever else, but I mean, resaleability of those units with damage on them. Now then the, they technically can't, you know, they're not insuring the exterior. Um, I know there's not an insurance expert on the show with us, but talking about integrity, I just, that one really bugged me. And I know Chris, you, you've dealt with a lot of associations too. I mean, what, what, do you, what would you do if you were that homeowner? But I don't, there's gotta be, there's gotta be rules in place for that. I mean, you have to, you have to replace those roofs if you got the insurance money for, them, you know. I would have thought, is yeah. It, do, you, do you know how big of a project it is? Is it a pretty large association or is it like yeah. a, 10, 1. like 2 million. But, like a, but how many units roughly? Um, is it like 10 know, or like 27 40? or something like okay. that? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and I just don't get mindset and mentality of uh, or mentality of, of of some of this. Just crazy. Well, hey, I got a question for you guys here. Um, uh, Facebook here. Troy asked us a question. He says, "Hey guys, um, going to sell a rental property. Uh, is it a good time to sell um, still, or should I hold on to it?" Chris, um, you seem enthusiastic. Yeah, Why don't you answer the question? 100%. It's a very good time. Um, they're, they're still going out. We just had a guy in our office that listed a, a duplex in um, Burnsville, uh, 14 showing, seven offers on it. So, uh, and people are, two of those offers were sight unseen. 
they didn't even go in there. They used use the pictures and and uh, and put the offer, and they ended up taking one of those. And so, um, and it worked out. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that uh, are buying up, and those prices have gone up. So yeah. What about um? What about uh, Travis rental property? Um, as a buyer, um, what do we what down payment requirements, things like that? What are you seeing out there for kind of across the board? I mean, to get the best rates on investment property purchases, the the target is uh, 25%. You don't, 20% is more customary. Um, a lot of times the, you know, it's just, you got to do a financial analysis, like keep this extra 5% versus the better rate, you know, can I still cover it with my rent that I'm supposed to receive. So you still see a lot of, a lot of 20% down, but if you want the best rate, 25% down is, is, is the target on an investment property. But yeah, I just did, uh, I, I just closed on a investment property purchase just a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, so there it's, 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 you know, there people are still buying them and, uh, and, and, you know, renters still need a place to live. So it's, it's, I think it's always a good, especially right now too, the inventory is so low, you know, it's like, I think you get any, any good property that, that, that gets up for a rental property like that, it's probably going to have the similar experience like, like Chris's, Chris's uh, co-partner, co-worker, co-worker at that house in Burnsville. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think you'll too, you'll see that, you know, the markets as things get a little dicey with, you know, stocks and whatever else people, diversify. I mean, you might see them blowing the dust off the old, uh, we'll buy your gold for cash. You know, the, the uh, some of those different business opportunities are out there. People look to diversify. They forget that they need to when times are good and they can, you know, make their income off a solo source. And then, you know, you realize usually when it's too late that, man, I should have diversified. Right. I mean, and, and I hear that from a lot of my, you know, guys and gals that are out there. Um, but yeah, I think it's always a great idea to have a good investment property out there generate some cash flow, you know? Yeah. Well, I think we're getting, we're getting close to eight o'clock. What does the producer say about that? Um, well, you know what, my friend, I, uh, if you, if you want me to kill the show, I can kill the show. Otherwise we can well, hear just, you uh, singing a little more if you'd like. It's only, it's your third show in and you're, you're doing so well. I just wanted to. Here, you know. let me get you back to my exit show here. Yeah, do I have do I have a little thing there too? Where's mine? Oh yeah, hey, I forgot to do this one. Oh, that, so, have- special thank you to Chris Rooney um, from the Home Experts and Integrity Marketing Services. Wow! Right? Yes. This is me. I'm the Rocket Boy, preferred home. <laughs> I, I couldn't get my my exact stripes to match my little emoji guy there, but. Uh, <laughs> That hair is good. That's I was just, just I was just gonna comment on the hair. <laughs> I worked on trying to that. They can't make my belly quite big enough. I tried. Trust me. I put a few more wrinkles on there. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, we always appreciate Chris. You know, I appreciate you meeting with us every week, and Andy, me, I appreciate me. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know who else to talk to. Normally, our, our buddy Denny would do that for us. And of course, we have uh, our good friend here, Travis who, my God, Travis, you've been through us uh, or with us since the beginning. Um, and uh, you've probably been on more live shows with us than anybody else. Um, so we wanted to thank you again for all of your dedication and and over the years and help. And Yeah, you bet, you guys. You know, thanks for having me on on, on this. And 
whenever you uh, whenever you need help or need uh, need a guest for this, uh, feel free to let me know. I'll be more than happy to uh, chime in. Hey, uh, one last question. Sorry, Mike Ludwig, our good friend last week, the exotic dancer, has a question. Um, it says, what is the max loan amount for a VA loan? Um, and Andy, do you have any more stats you can show us? <laughs> <laughs> I love Mike. When we, when we have that whole uh, 1.5 million conversation a uh, couple uh, couple oh, months boy. ago. I mean, yeah, wasn't that him? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, max loan amount. I mean, it depend, it, it, like one point five million with no money down is you know kind of where it's at now. Chances are somebody that uh, can afford a one point five million dollar mortgage payment probably has some money to put down. So it, 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 there's there's the equation with with you know a, a down payment where you can get larger loan amounts, but. But it's it's definitely more than uh, the the five hundred and ten thousand whatever the the conventional loan limit is for 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 VA financing. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah. Tell you what, guys. Um, again, as as the the sign says here, we're at the end of the show. We appreciate everybody listening and uh, or watching or both. And uh, remember, if you guys have questions, real estate questions, um, loan uh, insurance. Uh, any of that stuff. We'll get the experts on here to answer those questions. Um, we're trying to grow the audience here. Obviously, it's early in the morning. We know that. Um, but you can watch it during the day as well. Appreciate everybody that, um, you know, is, is uh, tuning in on Facebook Live as well. Um, we appreciate every one of you. And, and uh, thank you for all the years of support. Anything else, Chris? No, thank you. Next week, we'll do it again. All right. Sounds good, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.